0: You're listening to the Pursue God Men's Podcast, the official channel for biblical manhood at PursueGod.org. Find resources to talk about it with your family,
1: men's group, or mentor at PursueGod.org forward slash men. Okay, men, let's talk about gender and sexuality. John, just yesterday I was talking to a friend And he said he was taking his two young sons up on a camping trip, just the boys' night overnight. It was going to be a lot of fun. And then that morning, his wife informed him that they were going to be having the sex talk up there. He was like, wait a second, what? We were just going to have a fun camping trip with my 10-year-old and 14-year-old, but nope, now now we're going to turn it into a sex talk. And that's probably how some of the guys are feeling right now as they listen to this episode. They're like, ooh, uh, a biblical discussion on gender. I don't know if I'm ready for that one.
0: Well, I would imagine a lot of our listeners, if you're a dad, this is not a conversation you ever had with your dad because we didn't have to. Um, Our granddads never dealt with this issue. Our dads most likely didn't deal with it, but it sure seems to be in our face and maybe even more important in the faces of our children on a daily basis. There are all these questions floating around out there. Are, Are there two genders? Are there more than that? Are there? I, I've heard on one video up over a hundred genders. Is is gender just a social construct that we just make it up? Right? Um, can I change my gender if I feel like I'm not really the gender that I was born as? I mean, these are all questions that I don't think anyone was asking five or six decades ago, and and, and even I would say just a couple of decades ago were very few and far between that anyone dealt with this. I don't even think people were asking this five or
1: six years ago. I mean, this really is how quickly it's changed. And, you know, it really begs the question, John, who who do we get our truth from? Who do we get our information from? How do we even know how to answer those questions? How many genders are there? And obviously at Pursue God, our answer to that is pretty straightforward. We, We look to God and his word and all that we do. That's what we look to. We don't look to culture. We don't look to the, you know, the, Latest trends. We don't look to our favorite athletes, to the most popular influencers out there. We look to God and His Word. God's Word has something to say about it. That's what we're going to be talking about today, and and so we're gonna we're gonna wrestle with what we're gonna wrestle with whatever God's Word says about it. Now, I, I guess we should start by saying this, John, that some people might be listening to this, and they wouldn't even necessarily identify as Christians. They're, I'm not sure what I think about biblical Christianity. That's that's great. Just keep listening and see what what God's word says. You know, I think um, you need to make, make up your own mind about it. But one of the, I don't know, John, I would call it one of the benefits of Christianity is that we can have solid answers to this. And I look around at even, you know, some of my neighbors who aren't Christians, and I can tell they're like super confused about how to handle this because they don't have an anchor to have these conversations with their kids. So if my neighbor, if his kid comes home one day, if his daughter comes home and says, I think maybe I'm a boy because my t- teachers at school are telling me that, or my friends at school are saying that about themselves. And I wonder if I am too. I feel, I feel for my neighbor who who doesn't go to church, who, you know, is a good guy. He wants to be a good dad, but he's like, I don't know how to answer this question. And so I think people like that are at a real clear disadvantage And I bet you, I would be willing to bet, John, there are a lot of men, a lot of dads out there, maybe even listening right now, who would say, yeah, I want some good, solid answers. I'm not even a Christian, but I want some good, solid answers. Well, guess what? God's Word gives us some good, solid answers. And maybe this is even sort of an entryway for some dads listening or some men listening to, to really start investigating biblical Christianity, because it really does give us some answers.
0: Well, there are so many blessings to biblical Christianity. Above and beyond eternal life. I mean, eternal life is probably at the top of the list, a relationship with our creator, to know that the God of the universe wants to be known by us, that he sent his son to die for us so that in spite of our sin we could know him. But Christianity is useful. Like Christianity, you know, one of the verses we talk about a lot in our church is 2 Timothy 3:16 it's not just Christianity that's useful, but God's word is useful. There's value in it. You know, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. And I think for men in particular, we like things that are useful. We like tools. (laughs) We like stuff that makes our life easier. Uh, Yeah, I think of people who don't know what the truth is on this issue. And I can just picture them feeling like a a ship in the sea without a rudder, just being blown this way and that way with the latest opinion that some influencer puts out on social media, or, you know, even, even people the world would say are wise, the latest, you know, person with a PhD in sociology or gender studies that has doctor in front of their name, that tries to tell you that gender is fluid. I'm so glad that God preserved his word for us and that it's useful.
1: Yeah. And so to the men out there who are listening, who aren't even Christians, I would just encourage you to listen and and see if this resonates with you, because I think a lot of this is going to resonate with you. This is the foundation that we have as Christians. And so if if you feel like you're maybe on the outside looking in, maybe this is going to inspire you after listening to this, to look more into biblical Christianity, and I hope you do. One of the best ways to do that is to go through the pursuit. You can find it online, PursueGod.org forward slash go, and you know, go through it with a friend. Maybe maybe you've got a a buddy at work, uh, a friend in the neighborhood that you know is a Christian. Say, hey, would you go through this with me to learn what biblical Christianity is all about? But to the men who are listening who are Christians, to me, this isn't one... I would give you a I I would give you a different message than the message I just gave to the men who aren't Christians. Cuz if you are a follower of Jesus, it's not just hey try this on, see what you think about it. That's not what it that's not what a Christian should do with what we're about to say. A Christian should say, "Okay, whatever God's word says, I need to wrestle with it because I, that 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 needs to be truth for me. I I can't just decide which which verses I want to I want to pick and choose. John, I remember walking through, we live in Utah, I remember walking through the Mormon Museum, Pioneer Museum, I can't remember what it is, down by the temple, and literally seeing on display behind a case Joseph Smith's original Bible, or one of his early Bibles. It was a King James Version. It literally had verses crossed out. It literally had whole, I couldn't believe that actually the Mormon Church displayed, I think it was Philippians, the book of Philippians, the first chapter, and it literally had verses X'd out, crossed out. And I, you know, this isn't, this is for another episode, but basically Joseph Smith, that's how he viewed scripture. He said, I think I'm going to take some and I'm going to, I'm going to reject others. And, And he formed his own religion, essentially Mormonism, which isn't a biblical take on truth. But isn't that what so many men do in the church today? They don't start their own churches. They don't, create their own religions, they don't call themselves prophets, or presidents. But they essentially do the same thing, because they we take our Bibles, and maybe some men are going to be challenged by what we're going to say today. But some people take their Bibles, they and they they it's like, a, it's like a have it your way exercise. Like, I, ooh, I don't like that. You know, there might be some verses we're going to read today that some guys aren't going to like. And I, I would say to the Christians who are listening, that choice isn't up to you. You you can't just say, I don't like this, God. I'm not going to believe what you say here because my culture is saying something else and I don't want to look weird or extreme.
0: Well, i go back to the Second Timothy verse we mentioned a, a few moments ago. It says all scripture is inspired by God. So if all scripture is inspired by God, then I need to let all scripture have authority in my life. I can't, as you pointed out, pick and choose the parts I like. I can't just say... Well, I like the red letters because that's what Jesus said. No, Jesus Jesus inspired everything that's in the Bible, not just the red letters. And, and it does correct us when we're wrong. I mean, it's also part of that passage is that it brings correction. And can I just say there are a lot of people in our culture who are wrong on this issue of gender. And that may sound arrogant. As I say that, you may feel like, man, John, that's a pretty arrogant statement. No, I'm I'm not saying I'm right because I'm brilliant or I'm smart. I'm just saying I'm right because I know what God's word says about it. And God's word is never wrong.
1: That's good. So men, dads, I, I don't know. I just really want to speak to dads today, John. Dads, listen to this podcast episode. Really listen to it. Double check the verses we're reading to you today. And then sit down with your sons and your daughters and your wife and have this conversation, listen to it. If your son is 10, 11, 12, listen to this episode with your son. Cause John, I think a lot of, a lot of dads are honestly, a lot of dads are clueless and they might not even realize how, how much influence the culture is exerting on their sons and daughters right now on this particular topic. And at an early age, like eight, nine, 10, maybe even seven, six. I mean, when we're seeing transgender people in some, some cities, doing story time for young children. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. And I know maybe some of our listeners are saying, well, I wouldn't bring my kid to that library for story time then. Well, guess what? Your kid is probably still getting influence through, through what they're watching on TV, on Netflix, whatever, through if they have phones. So many kids have phones at such a young age. Don't take it for granted. You, your kid, Your kid is more ready for this conversation than you know and it'd be the best case scenario is you have this conversation first and foremost that you're having that you're talking through some of these issues so that when your kid is is being exposed to it then he or she isn't just like totally confused
0: yeah we live in rural utah right i would say that we're in a good way behind the times on a lot of things uh trends and and popular culture takes a little longer to get here and just this last week a man i'm mentoring shared with me that that his daughter because she isn't promiscuous that multiple friends of hers have said well you you're probably bisexual then because if you were heterosexual you would want to be more promiscuous than you are so you're probably confused about who you're attracted to and that's why you're not promiscuous i mean that's insanity this is just a young lady who wants to honor god and she wants to protect her purity for her marriage and and she has friends in a very conservative culture that we live in here telling her, well, then you're probably bisexual. So, so dads, I just tell you, if you think it can't happen where you live, if you think you're in that isolated community where this isn't an issue, I would bet you you're wrong.
1: Yeah. And it's not just daughters. I mean, it's true. It's for sons and daughters, but sons, especially I have a son and a daughter, John, I know you have boys and girls as well. And it, it, it's, this is something that impacts both genders, but I tell you, especially boys, especially our boys, because we all have weird thoughts. In fact, we did a, we did a topic on the, on the family podcast. We'll, we'll put a link to it down below about how to help your kids deal with weird sexual thoughts, because dads think about it. You, when you were, when you were 12, 13, 14, you had weird thoughts that would just kind of come and go you probably didn't You probably didn't think too much about it. You didn't probably let it get too much in your head. It just came and went, and you got over it. These days, you have a weird thought, just a regular thought that any kid in any generation would have, and you're going to be told by your teachers and influencers in your culture that that thought defines you, that you should explore that, that you should investigate that. If it was a weird thought about putting a dress on, if it was a weird thought about, you know, I don't know, some, some, you look at a guy on, on the, on the uh, basketball court and a young man says, man, that's a good looking guy. And pretty soon now you start thinking, man, maybe I'm gay, or maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a woman. Everyone has weird, crazy thoughts. We live in a culture now that tells you to investigate it and to follow that and follow your heart. And that's why these kinds of conversations need to be had with your kids. So, John, let's get into it. How many genders are there? I mean, if we're just, if we're saying we're not going to let culture, we're not going to let influencers, we're not going to let our teachers at school, we're not going to let Bud Light tell us, like, so so what does the Bible say about how many genders there are? Is this like, is this up for grabs or is the Bible pretty clear on this? I think
0: the Bible is explicitly clear Genesis 1 27 and 28 we're in the very first book of the Bible so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground so God's design his perfect design, guys, this was before the fall, no sin end of the world. His perfect design was two genders, male and female. Now, both are created in the image of God. Both have immeasurable worth and immeasurable value. We are co-heirs in Christ, the Bible tells us. you know, We're of equal dignity, but we are not the same. These two genders, male and female, complement one another. Now, obviously, in a very physical way, they're they're told to multiply and and fill the earth. Men and women complement one another. Eve is described as Adam's helpmate in Scripture. And the differences between male and female are good. They're for our benefit. They should be celebrated, not diminished. If we spent half as much time celebrating the differences between men and women as we did celebrating when someone transitioned or came out of the closet, our culture would look a lot different. And and look at this design is tied to the command in the very next sentence. So we created them male and female. And then the very next sentence, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That's a command from God to Adam and Eve. So, that command to be fruitful and multiply could only be carried out because of the two distinct genders and their roles in procreation.
1: Yeah, in fact, I look at that word, John, it says that he blessed them. So, he blessed them as male and female. Male and female have the blessing from God. The gender that you were born with, I mean, just to make it really simple for people listening, the gender you were born with whether male or female, has God's blessing on it. That's what God said. You know, we live in a culture now, John, where people are saying, you need to respect my pronouns. You need to respect my view of me. But but actually, if we look back to the very first chapter of the Bible, it gives us this, this incredible simple secret that if we would respect God's pronouns, male and female, the way he created... That is what has blessing. That is what gets a blessing. In fact, it says in verse 31 that he looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Right? So earlier in the story, it was good at the end of each day. If you want to go back, if people, our listeners want to go back and read that in chapter one, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish and the and the animals and the trees and everything. And after every day, he would just say it was good. It was good. It was good. But it wasn't until he created Adam and Eve and it wasn't until he created male and female that he says it was very good. So it has his blessing. It's more than good. It's perfect. It's just, it's, I mean, I don't know for guys. I don't know if, if we got woodworkers out there, maybe you, you made something and you're like, Oh, that was, that was good. But then maybe you, maybe you get pretty good at it. And then, then you make something else and you're like, that is really good. I did, or you're cooking something on the grill. I used to be terrible at cooking chicken on the grill, John. Until my kids bought me one of the you know those probes that you get to get the cheaters, <laughs> the meat thermometer, <laughs> and yeah, the heat thermometer. I'm so good at it now. And now we, I bring the chicken. I before that, I used to bring it in, and I was in fear and trembling. I was so insecure about my chicken. It was always just like charcoal, you know, because that's how my dad did it. But now, now because of those probes, I come in and I and the and everybody says this is. Very good. And this is what God said. God said, This is very good because
0: He created them male and female. Yeah, I am so thankful that men and women are different. I'm so thankful that there are two genders and only two genders. I I can guarantee you, my kids are thankful that God created male and female, not only because they wouldn't be alive if he hadn't, but just their mom, my wife, brings strength to our family as a result of her femininity that I don't have. And and I'll just say this, I don't know if this is even politically correct to say anything. my wife's kind of a tomboy. <laughs> like my wife likes to ride motorcycles in the mountains. You know, she'd rather wear a pair of jeans than a dress. She likes shooting guns, but she brings a, a nurturing and a compassion and an empathy that I lack. Now I know some of you are out there going, yeah, but John, that's just personality. That's not gender. And I would say, mm-hmm. You're partially correct. There's no doubt that some women have more compassion than other women. And and I'm sure there are some men out there who have more compassion than some women. But overall, and even secular studies support this, that women on average have, have more compassion than men. They're more nurturing than men. And they typically have more empathy than men. So, again, why aren't we celebrating these differences? Why aren't we celebrating God and his wisdom, creating two genders and, and bringing these two genders together in the biblical design for marriage and for family? Because it is very good.
1: So, John, I could hear some people say, maybe people who know their Bibles, they, I could hear them say, well, okay, I, I get that you're in Genesis 1. This is God's original plan, but then sin entered the world. And so maybe he changed plans. Maybe maybe the male and female thing was was part of his original plan, but it wasn't good enough to cut it, and so there should be more pronouns now. and And there is sin in the world, and we should just accept it. and And uh, and and maybe we should just be a little bit more forgiving. I guess they, I guess I guess what would you say to that when when they say that that maybe maybe that the gender thing, that the two gender thing, was just a Genesis one thing.
0: Yeah, so if if your perspective is if God had a do-over, he would do it differently today, I would take you to the flood, <laughs> which essentially was a do-over, right? God looked at the earth and, and the sin of the earth and, and he was heartbroken. He grieved over it and he wanted to start over. And, and look what he does in Genesis 6. He says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die but I will confirm my covenant with you. He's talking to Noah there. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, male, female, male, female, male, female for Noah and his wife, males and females for his sons and their wives. And it continues, bring a pair of every kind of animal. And what was that pair? A male and female into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. So the flood was, in a sense, this great reset. And once again, we see the importance of male and female, Noah and his sons and their wives, and then male and female from each kind of animal. I I saw a cartoon recently that had all these animals are getting on the boat, and these two unicorns are walking up the ramp, and they look at each other, and they're both male unicorns. And and the one looks in there and says, oh, crap. So, you know, obviously that's the joke that unicorns don't exist anymore because they died on the the ark. But look, the reality is if you put 50 biological men or 50 biological women on an island, regardless of how they identify, that whole population will die out in one generation. There's just no way to create offspring without the two distinct genders that God created, male and female.
1: And that's what he blessed. He did it in Genesis 1. He did it at the reset. Again, he didn't do it, but he, he encouraged, he said, bring a male and female in those pairs. In Genesis 6, at the flood reset. Okay, but John, what about the person who says, okay, fine. Fine, there's just two genders. There's male and female. But I want to be a female now. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking to be a third gender or a fourth gender. I just want to be a different, I want to be the other one. That I wasn't born with.
0: Well, my first thing I would say to you is uh, my heart breaks for you that you're battling with that. Like truly. I don't I don't know what that's like. I can't empathize with you. I've never struggled with my gender. So if you're listening to our podcast, if if you're part of the audience, I I just want you to know that that I don't I don't hear that with a cold heart towards you. But I would say our gender is determined at conception. And the God of the universe, who knows the very number of hairs on your head, has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he had that purpose before you took your first breath. And when you and I trust our feelings over what God has declared to be true, what we're essentially saying is we know better than the perfect, holy God who created us. That's how we define sin at our church, right, Brian? We talk about it a lot. It's Trusting in our own thoughts, feelings, and opinions over what God has declared to be true. And and I think someone who would try to change their gender, that's almost the the pinnacle of that. That's almost the pinnacle of saying, yeah, God, I know you had a plan. I know you said this. I know you created me this way, but I know better. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible, and, and it's funny, I never really... I guess I never really studied this passage or just didn't mean as much to me until I became a father. But Psalm 139, 13 and 16, this is a verse that I've prayed over and over that my kids would believe to be true, that they would own it. And it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has made you wonderfully complex. His workmanship is marvelous. You are his workmanship. So everyone listening to that means you are marvelous. Now, it's a different video on you know not, not being prideful about that because it's God who makes us marvelous, not ourselves. But, but you need to know that the God of the universe looks at you and says, hey, hey, you are wonderfully made, just like I made you. So if you're struggling with gender identity, you need to know that the God has created you wonderfully complex. He saw you before you were born, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And any attempt to alter how God created you is rebelling against that plan. It's usurping his authority. It's saying, hey, I know better than God does. He got it wrong. I Think about it. That has to be one of the most arrogant, prideful stances we can take. And that's probably shocking to hear. If you're struggling with gender identity, it's probably shocking that I just called you arrogant or prideful. You, you probably think that's that's the last thing you are, but Again, that's the position you're taking that you know better than God does. And think of what the world would look like if we did that in other areas of our life. God, I I know you said I shouldn't steal, but I'm pretty sure I feel like I deserve this thing and I I can't afford it. So I'm going to go out and say I should steal. Or God, I know you said marriage was a lifelong commitment, but I don't feel like my spouse loves me. And I know you want me to be happy, so I'm going to just go ahead and bail on my marriage. There would be no end to the chaos if we treated other areas of our life with that same attitude that I think God made a mistake.
1: Yeah, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So, you know, we live in a culture, John, that says, hey, follow your heart, do what makes... Whatever makes you happy, we talk about, we have a whole podcast dedicated to this on the Truth Podcast. We'll put a link to that below as well. But the biblical advice is not follow your heart. The biblical advice is is challenge your heart. What the Bible says is your heart is wrong. Like you were born, there's a, you know, what you said about that definition for sin, John, is that's what we have. Every one of us has this bent toward doing it our way. And our way is usually not the best way. I mean, look at a two-year-old or a three-year-old. They're not born, you know, wanting to share their toys. They're not born wanting to obey their parents. They're born with, you know, what Scripture says, just a broken heart. They're born wrong. We're all born wrong. That's why Jesus said we must be born again. We're We're all born broken. That's a core biblical teaching. And so... You know, when you live in a culture that says, hey, human human beings are basically good. I mean, forget about the evidence to the contrary, that you can watch every night. And it's like our culture, John, says, well, those are the exceptions. Th- those people are the exceptions to the rule. No, actually, the Bible says those people are the rule. And there is no exception to the rule. The rule is that we're all broken. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is? Nobody does. And so you can't follow your heart. Instead of telling young people at five and seven and ten, figure out what gender you want to be we, be, we should be directing them, parents, we should be, the Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and in the end they won't depart. So there's a shoulda to parenting and really to all of life. And so I know some of the listeners might be saying, "Man, I'm just having a hard time. This seems like so anti what my culture is saying. My culture is saying to tell your kids, I don't want to I don't want to like box you in. You be whatever you want. You do whatever you want. Follow your heart." No, no. Scripture says your heart's broken and bad and wrong. Don't follow your heart. You need a heart transplant. You need a change of heart. And we'll get to that at the end here today, John.
0: I'm sure some listening uh, we want to make sure you hear what we're saying. We're not saying that this brokenness is limited to someone who struggles with gender identity, right? That That's, that's the beautiful thing about Christianity. We are all broken. So if you're struggling with gender identity, yes, you're broken, but you know what? So am I, I'm just broken in different ways. That's not a struggle that I've had, but I've had plenty of struggles, still have plenty of struggles that I have to turn over to God on a daily basis. And, and ask the Holy Spirit to give me the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Because like you said, Brian, we have this propensity, kind of this default in our fallen nature to want to be selfish, to want to go our own way. So we're not singling out anyone in in the sense of saying, hey, you're the only ones that are broken. We're all broken. We all need a Savior." long before we really, even long before we worry about this gender issue. Like we, we all need a savior. Brian, we've been talking a lot about kind of the individual application for male and female, but I think for believers, for people in the church, it's also important to know there's a, a corporate application in a sense for male and female. You know, God has distinctive roles for men and women in the church and in the home. We see different roles listed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, for example, priests were men only. If a person in that culture, of course, didn't even really exist back then, but if a person in that culture would have identified as a male, would they have been qualified to be a priest? No, they wouldn't have been. And then in the New Testament, there are different instructions to men and women. Throughout You know, Paul's letter to the churches, he he talks about these different roles. So, Again, gender has not only an individual application, but there's a corporate application. And this prohibition of altering gender isn't limited to surgery or home hormone blockers. So, so men, like you're not to even dress as women. Women, you're not to dress as men. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, a woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Now let's make sure we we talk about what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that women can never wear pants, because it's common in our culture for women to wear pants. Right, pants isn't a man only thing in our culture. What what the Bible's talking about here is wearing clothes that that culture as a whole kind of uniformly said, "Wait a minute, that's women's clothes or that's men's clothes." Now. That line, I would say, has been blurred a lot in our culture. You know, pants aren't really considered men's clothing in our culture. And then conversely, I, I don't think we would forbid a man to wear a kilt in a culture where men commonly wore kilts. That That's their culture. That's what men wore. That's not necessarily women's clothing in that culture.
1: John, let's just look at one more passage of Scripture. This is from Romans chapter 1. It says there, this is Paul writing, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, God abandoned people to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And I mean, it really is so descriptive of today's culture. The, today's culture in America isn't very different from the Roman culture that Paul wrote in. Right? It says, as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Now, these passages right here are speaking specifically about homosexuality. But I think we can extend this even more to the the gender conversation in general. It says, men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves a penalty they deserved. Verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, they abandoned, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. You scroll all the way down to verse 30, it says, they invent new ways of sinning. And this is what if this, it just feels like we're reading something that could be written in just today's newspapers, you know, from a Christian perspective, this is how it feels in these last five or 10 years. It feels like, where did this come from? It's so prolific now. It's like we're we're inventing new ways of sinning. We we almost have to spend a half a day prepping for a podcast topic like this because I don't even know all the terms anymore, John. I don't know about you, but I just feel like when I read Romans 1, I, I'm just reading something that is, that is specifically addressing today's culture.
0: As you pointed out, Brian, this passage probably directly deals with homosexuality as much or more than gender. But as much as we like to separate those things, I mean, we've titled this A Biblical Discussion on Gender. There's overlap there. The vast majority of people who want to change genders also struggle with same-sex attraction. That's part of the reason they want to switch their genders and it certainly does seem like our culture invents new ways of sinning like you mentioned in verse 30 we're having these conversations with things that again 5 10 years ago we rarely had conversations on and man it just we just see the the breakdown of of our culture we see the breakdown of you know even the fabric of of families and God's boundaries. The, the older I get, the more I learn that God's boundaries are for our good. God is not some cosmic killjoy. He does not just say no for no reason. He has a purpose in His boundaries, and we bring ourselves harm when we go against Him. You know, the the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that could be relational death. It could be physical death. It could be you know financial death. There's all different different types of death, but. It's never good for us when we go against the truth of what God has declared.
1: Yeah, the verse says there, verse 31, the very next verse, after it says they invent new ways of sinning, the next verse says, they refuse to understand, they break their promises, they're heartless and have no mercy. And I can can hear our listeners, some of our listeners saying, wait a second, that sounds like you guys. You guys are the ones who are sounding heartless you guys are the ones who sound like you're having no mercy. Shouldn't we, isn't Jesus love? Doesn't Jesus just want us to love people? You know, my, our culture is telling us, you know, this, this, this subculture is tends to have very high suicide rates. And so the answer is we need to let them identify however they need to, because that's loving for them. And so How would you respond to that? Because I know that there are people listening to this. and I think we've tried to do a good job of towing a biblical line, but having a a heart toward people as we do it. But a lot of people out there think that those two things are incompatible. You can't tell someone this kind of message and still love them.
0: People confuse unconditional love with affirmation. That is something that has just been so clear to me over the last several years If my son, Brian, got caught robbing a bank and I visited him in jail, I would still love him. I would show him unconditional love. I wouldn't tell him he should have had a better getaway driver, right? Like I would love him unconditionally. I would not affirm the choices that he made. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't affirm sin and Jesus is love. God is love. Love rejoices in the truth. Right? Truth matters, and this is a topic that calls us to speak truth. I would agree with every listener who says we should love those who are struggling with their gender identity. I agree 100%. We should love them, and we should love them enough to speak truth gracefully and with compassion, but clearly. See, God calls us to protect the weak and the vulnerable couple of passages. The first, I think it was 1 Corinthians 13.6. You've probably heard this at at many a wedding. That's the famous love passage. And 13.6 says that it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And the it there is love. So love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love rejoices in the truth. When we truly love someone, we want them to know truth, and we want to speak truth to them.
1: Yeah, in fact, I would say, Proverbs even talks about this. It says that if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. We talk about this on the family podcast where some parents think that it's cruel to discipline their young children. Actually, the Bible teaches that it's cruel not to discipline them. Because if you don't discipline your children, then, then you're setting them up for failure in the future when they think the world revolves around them and they're going to have bosses that that should just you know let them get away with whatever they want to get away with. And that, obviously, we see how that's worked in our culture. So it's loving to discipline your children. And in the same way, it's loving to speak truth to somebody if the Bible has something to say about it. And the Bible has something to say about this. And so eternities are at stake, right? We, John, we talked about the fact that we all, we're all, we all need to be born again. We all need to, we, we were all born wrong in the first place. I don't mean that a gender sense. I just mean that in a sin sense. And every single one of us has the opportunity to turn to Jesus on, on his terms, not on our terms, the biblical word for that is repentance to turn from our sins and to turn to him in faith and so the person who turns from their their own way and from sort of the the claim to sit on the throne of their own life in order to be become a follower of Jesus you have to turn from that claim you have to say i want to I want to follow you and you tell you get to call the shots now I don't get to call the shots And so whether that's with gender identity or even for heterosexual men, you know, men, if you're listening to this cheating on your wife, we would be saying the same exact thing to you that we're saying to the person who's struggling with their gender identity, maybe even more strongly, we would say, you need to turn from your sin and turn to God. But the person who says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to see it God's way. I'm not going to align myself with God that person is at jeopardy of dying in their sins that person is in a is in a place that's the consequences the eternal consequences are immeasurable and the temporal consequences are nothing hardly anything so the consequences in this life that's nothing it's the eternal consequences that we as followers of Jesus care the most about and so the answer would be to say to all people in sin, and we're all sinners, is to say, turn from your sins and turn to God. That's the most loving thing you can do with someone. If you're a Christian listening to this, the most loving thing you can do with someone in your life is to invite them to turn from their sins and turn to God. But I guess, John, what about the person who says, well, I have a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or whatever, who feels like they're transgender but they're not claiming to be Christians. How do you treat somebody like that? I guess is a question someone might ask.
0: Well, I think the premise is the same that we want to street, speak truth in love to them with compassion. And particularly if it's if it's a younger person. So, again, I want to challenge the dads listening today as you think about your kids, you know, James 1:27 tells us that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Why do you think that was so important? Why was it important that the James challenged us to care for orphans and widows? Well, in that culture, orphans and widows were the most vulnerable. As Christians, as believers, as dads, we have a calling to protect the weak and the vulnerable. And I'm telling you, our children are being attacked by an agenda that's trying to destroy biblical teaching in this area. And and I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this is an organized attack straight from the pit of hell. Like this, This is a spiritual battle, guys. There is an enemy behind all this. The Bible says our battles aren't against flesh and blood. They're against the spiritual forces and principalities and evils of this dark world. So some people are probably thinking, well, what's the harm? Why can't you guys just live your life the way you want to live and let these people live the life the way they want to live? Well, first, the harm is this is rebellion against God. And that never ends well. You know, we've said before there are consequences for our sin. The Bible says the wages of that sin is death. There's also physical harm. We have children in our culture making decisions now at 8, 9, 10 years old about their bodies that are often irreversible. And they're making these decisions at an age when they can't legally drive, they can't legally vote, they can't smoke or drink alcohol, and yet we're allowing them to make decisions about hormone blockers and about surgeries and mutilations to their bodies. They need our protection. They need men to step up and be men and watch over them and speak truth to them. You know, One of the last podcasts we had on this channel was the the sin of slothfulness. And I would just say, men, we can't be slothful about this issue. We can't just pretend it's not going to happen in our community or in our family. We, we need to recognize that culture is, is after our kids. Culture is after people you love and care about. We need to engage with our children on this issue because they're hearing it nonstop from their peers, from social media, from the media. We need to speak truth in their lives.
1: So if you want to do that, you can find this very topic on the men's page at PursueGod.org. Again, dads, we encourage you to talk about it with your kids. Um, Talk about it with your sons and your daughters. Talk about it with your spouse. Get on the same page. Wrestle with what God's word has to say about it. Don't be afraid to speak truth and love to the people in your world. And the sooner, the better. The younger your kids are, within reason for this conversation, the better and and begin to win them over to God's way of viewing gender. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org